Turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians 3, verses 1 through 6. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Let's pray. Father, you are the all-knowing God. You have all wisdom. You have all knowledge. Lord, we are just mere men. God, I ask that this day you would speak through me in your spirit. Lord, that uh, we would have an understanding of this text. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you've provided. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your work on the cross that we all could be saved. I ask all this in your name. Amen. As we come to the third chapter of Galatians, Paul is now bringing doctrine to bear. The doctrine that says that justification is by faith in Christ alone and not by any works from man. The first two chapters have been a defense of Paul's apostleship. And as we looked last time at the end of chapter 2, Paul spent some time through his testimony with Peter and the party of the circumcision, making the clear point that the law does not save you. The law does not save you. The law has no ability to save. And on the contrary, the law condemns. It shows us our sin. It condemns us of our evil works and deeds as men. And this condemnation is meant to drive us to Christ. But now Paul is turning his focus back onto the Galatians. As we saw in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul starts out addressing the issue that the Galatians have been starting on a path of accepting a false gospel. One that says that you have to add works to faith in Christ in order to be saved. Galatians 1.6 says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. And the Apostle Paul makes it clear in the next two verses to follow that this false gospel has been brought about by agents of Satan. These men are to be considered cursed of God for spreading this lie. The lie that you can contribute to your salvation by doing works. 
Many times as humans, we believe that most things are too good to be true. That if you don't do anything to earn it, then it's cheapened or it's not, it's not something that should be considered of gain. And that's not always false. Many things that you earn are good things. But many times we have this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. Where if you didn't do it yourself, if you didn't make yourself into what you are today, then you are somehow weak or you are coddled because everything was handed to you. And don't get me wrong, there is something that comes from doing work and gaining things through earning them. But when we are presented with something like the gospel, the idea that God gives us something by His grace that we could never earn, we have no way to contribute to, And the fact that we cannot make ourselves right before God many times seems too good to be true. You mean to tell me Jesus takes care of it all? He makes us right before God without any work on our part? The only thing we have to do is believe? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. It's exactly what I'm telling you. And by the way, we have no ability to even believe. God supplies the faith as He did with Abraham. God, through His grace and mercy. Yes, that is what I'm telling you. We have no way of being able to do this. We have no way of doing it. To the natural man, this is too good to be true that God offers us salvation, that God offers us forgiveness of our sins. He gives us eternal life. And He gives us the belief to do that, to become that, so that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And yet, people think it's too good to be true. So we look at chapter 3. Paul starts out by calling the Galatians foolish. Chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? The Greek word used here is anetos. This word is signifying and implying that one is not applying their mind. It is speaking more to an intellectual laziness. And Paul here, in essence, is asking them, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? You ever heard that as a kid? (laughs) I know I did. You ever used it with your kids? I know I have. They can attest to it. (laughs) Paul is telling the Galatians, you are not using your spiritual minds. You're being so intellectually lazy 
that you are forfeiting the truth to accept and follow and live a lie. Don't think this can't happen to us. We've seen example after example in Scripture. We saw Peter in the last uh, chapter, how he went and did the same thing because of his fear of the party of the circumcision, those Jews. Paul makes it clear that these people are believers in Christ. And he is confronting them because they're being led astray. And he asks this question, who has bewitched you? This literally means who has charmed you? Who has put you under their spell? Another way to say it may be who hypnotized you to accept evil? Now listen, these people are still saved. These people are still saved. But they are going down a path that they should not be going down. Because if they are not living out the true gospel, if they are not accepting the true gospel, that means they're not spreading the true gospel. That means that they're spreading a lie. But I can't say that... Honestly, I can kind of say I give them some leeway. I say today we have advantage over the Galatians. We have the full scripture written out today. And they did not. They did not. The only reason we can look at this passage and learn it and explain it today is because it is all written down for us. It was all written down for us. We have the full counsel of God written for us. But the Galatians didn't have that. They didn't have the complete scripture available to them. And that is why Paul is writing this in real time. He is writing scripture in real time. And Paul is writing this to them because he recognized that they needed instruction and rebuke. Otherwise, they would keep going down the wrong path. And we need that today too. But imagine this. Put yourself in the shoes of the Galatians. You've lived a pagan life. You know no other religion. You don't know this religion from the Jews. You know who the Jews are, maybe. But you don't know their law, their scriptures. And you have this Jewish man, Paul, who comes into town with a message. The message says that if you believe with faith in Christ as the son of the true God, whom the Jews killed on a cross, and you repent of your sin against God and believe that Jesus rose again to remove that sin, if you believe this message, then you will be saved from your sins. You will be indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And as a new believer in Christ, you will start living out that salvation. So as one of the Galatians, you come to the salvation. And Paul says, okay, I've established this church here. And now I am moving on to keep spreading this salvation message. And as soon as Paul moves on, 
He leaves. Some Jews come into the church claiming to be from Christ. And they tell you, yes, what Paul said is true. You need to have faith in Christ to be saved. But then they start waving the scriptures around, saying that Paul left something out. He left something out. They say we have the scriptures as proof. We have the scriptures as proof that you have to adhere to these laws that God gave to Moses, and you must be circumcised as required by the covenant with Abraham. And then you can have faith in Christ. And then you too can truly be saved. These men leave out the fact that Christ fulfilled the law. They leave out the fact that those same scriptures they're holding prophesy and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. And that through him we are no longer bound by keeping the law. We no longer need circumcision. We no longer need these things. And I don't know about you, but if someone came to me and they're holding the scriptures of God in their hands and proclaiming these things, it could be easy to accept them. It could be easy to accept what they're saying is true. But that's how Satan works, brothers and sisters. He sows the workers amongst us. They come in, they use the truth to gain a foothold once And once they establish themselves and make a good representation for themselves, they start twisting the truth and introducing lies. We saw this. Satan tried to tempt Jesus. Jesus used Scripture to rebuke him, but Satan also used Scriptures to try and tempt him. Remember, these are Gentiles. They did not have the law of God. They did not know this law, and they were being played by these Jews who know it inside and out. They've known it from their birth. They've been taught it from their birth. And that's why this letter from Paul is so important. Because even we can be very easily persuaded to accept a lie, which is the trap that the Galatian people fell into. They had let themselves become spiritually lazy in their intellect and discernment. That's why he's calling them foolish. And Paul bears the argument that they are defecting from the irrefutable truth to accept the lie. We see this Galatians 3, the second part of verse 1 and verse 2. He says, Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? We know the answer to that. We've been in this long enough. We know the answer to that. It's hearing with faith. And the Galatians knew that too. The Galatians were saved by the truth of Christ. The root of their salvation was by the fact that Paul publicly proclaimed Christ crucified to them. And at that time, just like with every believer, the Holy Spirit was given to them when they believed. The Holy Spirit took up residence within them. We can see this testimony 
of the indwelling of the Spirit in the Gentiles through Peter in the book of Acts. Acts eleven fifteen through 18. This is Peter defending his encounter with Cornelius and his stay with the Gentiles. Peter says, And as I began to speak, referring to speaking to these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, and this was Jesus speaking, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also, after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Peter says, The Gentiles received the Holy Spirit in the exact same way that the Jews did. It says that God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not obligated to be circumcised to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, were they? It doesn't say that you must adhere to all the laws of Moses to be considered saved of God. We all know that's preposterous. You weren't saved in that manner, were you? You didn't have to adhere to the law. As a matter of fact, Peter even makes this argument in Acts 15.10. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Peter says, even the most studious and disciplined of the Jews could not meet the demands of the law. So you expect the Gentiles to do it? No. It says we all receive the Holy Spirit in the same manner, both Jews and Gentiles. Both Jews and Gentiles. Let's go back to our text in Galatians 3. In verse 3, we continue. And Paul has these hypothetical questions. Paul's using these questions to try and show them how stupid this is, how foolish they are being. Verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith. He implies they have the Holy Spirit of God in them. And yet now they're going to in some way add something to the perfection of God. They're trying to perfect the Spirit by adding works of the law. When God is the one who created the law. 
How can you add perfection from something that was created by the perfect one? Paul is basically asking them, do you see yourself right now? Look at how foolish this is. You are being foolish. I don't know about you all. I've been on the receiving end of this before. Especially when I was younger, I did stupid things. After doing them, mostly getting in trouble for doing them by my parents, it was pointed out to me in love how stupid that was. The fact was pointed out that I wasn't thinking. And I would hear this phrase, as many of us have heard, and probably many of us have told our kids, God gave you a brain, use it. Anyone who is pointing these things out were doing it out of love. They were doing it out of love. And so is the Apostle Paul. They were concerned with my well-being. And if you think about it, anyone who either either hates you or doesn't care is not going to go out of their way to point out your error. They want you to fall. They want you to fail fall flat on your face and they're the first to mock you and laugh. As a matter of fact, most of them will celebrate in your failure. One of the most important things we need to understand here, brothers and sisters, is that this is not something that Paul wanted to do. And this is not something that any of us ever want to do if it ever comes down to us. We don't want to have to discipline. We do not want to have to call out the error. We do not want to have to do any of that. But Paul here is in the position of the loving disciplinarian. He's not trying to berate or belittle these people. Yes, he's calling them foolish, but it's in love. He's trying to show them the error of their ways in love. He wants them to turn away from this damning path that they're starting down and turn back to what originally brought them to the greatest gift God gave man. That is salvation through Christ by the forgiveness of sin. Paul is trying to show them that the only way to live the Christ life is by faith. If you try any other way, you will be miserable. Trying to keep the do's and don'ts. Paul is begging them. He is using these words, these harsh words, asking, why are you being so foolish? He's begging them to use their spiritual intellect. Brothers and sisters, we are called to do the same this day. We are to use our spiritual intellect so that we do not move down the same path that Galatians were going down. Paul is very upset here, but he's doing all this out of love. He loves the Galatians so much. He spent so much time there with them. He loves these Gentile believers and he does not want to see them go down this path. 
It breaks his heart. Let's pray. Lord, we know that every time we sin, every time we go down a path where we act foolish, we don't think about what we're doing, it breaks your heart. Lord, I do not want to be foolish. I do not want to be bewitched. Lord, I ask today, Lord, that you would continue your work in all of us. You would continue your work in all of our hearts, all of our minds. Lord, that you would renew our minds, renew our hearts, moment by moment, day by day. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace and mercy. Lord, thank you for giving us the faith to believe. Thank you, Lord. Amen.